JG Nanda, let's start with the Nokar Mantra. Om Namo Arihantanam, Om Namo Sitanam, Om Namo Ayadiyanam, Om Namo Uttayanam, Namo Luisa Vasahunam, Eso Panchanamo Karo, Salva Pavapanasano, Mangalalancha Salvesim, Paramam Have Mangalam, Paramam Have Mangalam. As we mentioned last time, lately we've strayed from the substance of Jainism and moved into discussing Jain culture with our topics of Jain sex and Jain holidays. So I'd like to reboot us into the substance of Jainism by offering a logical summary of Jainism. And that just means we'll start with the point of Jainism and just ask the most logical questions that occur to us from there. We'll answer those questions and then we'll just ask the most logical question that comes next. And so by the end, we'll have a pretty good summary of Jainism. So I'm going to be playing both characters, the person that's describing Jainism and the person that's asking the questions. The point of Jainism is to save yourself from eternal pain. The point of Jainism is to save yourself from eternal pain. Okay, you said that twice. I'm not currently in pain. What do you mean? Well, your body is not in pain, but your soul is currently in indescribable pain. And you are not your soul. Sorry, you are your soul. You're not your body. Okay, I can't feel that my soul is currently experiencing any of the indescribable pain that you mentioned. So do I still need Jainism or can I forget it? Well, here's how you know your soul is in pain. Are you currently experiencing infinite bliss? No. That's what pain feels like. Do you currently know everything? No. That's what pain feels like. Are you currently perceiving everything going on in the universe? No. That's what pain feels like. It is in your nature to feel all of those things. Yet you are so debilitated by pain that you only remember the last decades of your immortal life. You are so debilitated by pain that you only can perceive things in a very limited radius of feet around you. You are so debilitated by pain that you have to scratch and claw to teach your brain things you already know in the most painstaking way possible. I'll put it like this. Have you ever been minding your own business, living your life, and then a sound that was in the background stopped? And you never realized that sound was there until it stopped. Have you ever changed jobs and got paid more to do less work? And have you ever been driving and come to a realization, hey, why the hell is my healthcare tied to my job? Your pain has become so normalized that you deny it exists altogether. In fact, your mind must deny that it exists, otherwise you would go crazy. There are people out there right now 
that do much less work than you and get paid much, much more. But it's more convenient to think that they work harder than us and that's why they get paid more. Otherwise, we would go crazy. If you got a glimpse of the happiness inherent in your soul, it would be the hit, the first hit of a high greater than any drug you have ever experienced. And just like that first hit, you'd do anything to experience it again. You would realize that everything outside your consciousness doesn't amount to a hill of beans and you would sell it all for whatever you could get. And the kicker is, you would consider yourself lucky to have gotten anything at all for things so worthless. And now you know why meditators and drug addicts all look alike. They're all gaunt and hairy and have bad teeth because none of that means anything. Okay, so you talk about the pain of the soul and how that pain is experienced by absence. But really, you could define anything by absence. So I'm not totally sure that I am a soul. How do I know that souls exist? Well, we know that souls exist because of the hard problem of consciousness. The hard problem of consciousness exists and the answer to the hard problem is the soul. We also know that souls exist because someone we trust told us it exists. Who told us? Mahavir told us. Why do we trust Mahavir? We trust Mahavir because everything he told us turned out to be true, even the things that were unverifiable at the time. We also trust him because he had no motivation to lie to us. And we also trust him because he became enlightened. How did he become enlightened? He became enlightened by uncorrupting himself in certain ways. Well, don't you mean uncorrupting his soul? He is his soul, and you are your soul, not your body. If I said he uncorrupted his soul, that would perpetuate the myth that he is a body with a soul. Nobody is a body with a soul. We are all souls trapped in bodies. Okay, I'm not ready to go there, so I'll keep talking about souls and bodies. So his soul was corrupted, and he found out how to uncorrupt it. And he told us we have souls and how we can uncorrupt our souls. The answer is yes. How do I uncorrupt my soul? That's the next logical question. You uncorrupt your soul by removing physical matter that has attached itself to you and defiled you. You uncorrupt yourself, excuse me by removing physical matter that has attached itself to you and defiled you, which is the cause of the pain you are experiencing. So my soul is corrupted by physical matter. Yes, it's called karma. All I have to do is remove it from my soul. Well, it sounds easy when you put it like that, but it is hard. Well, what do I have to do to remove the physical matter from my soul? To remove karma from yourself, you have to do penance. I can do penance. What's so hard about that? Well, the hard part is 
while you're living your life in between doing penance, you're still binding karma to yourself. So you have to stop binding it first. And then the penance will start working to remove the total amount of karma you have attached to yourself. How do I stop karma from binding to my soul? You stop karma from binding to yourself by doing less violence. And any violence you do commit, you commit it with the least amount of emotion possible. So questions or comments about that? Thank you to everybody who just joined. We're talking about the substance of Jainism. We're re rebooting our conversations and discussions into the substance of Jainism by giving you a summary in a question and answer form. So questions or comments about anything we just talked about? Did you come up with another question you thought was more logical than the one I came up with? And we started with the whole point of Jainism, the whole premise of Jainism, is saving yourself from eternal pain. That's what we're all working towards. Do you mind repeating the question? No problem. We're starting with the question and answer, and I'm playing both characters, so you've heard both characters so far. We're just asking ourselves the next logical question that comes up when we answer the previous question. And we started with the whole point of Jainism. The entire point of Jainism is to save yourself from eternal pain. Okay, let's continue. So the previous answer was, you stop karma from binding to yourself by doing less violence and any violence you do commit, you commit it with the least amount of emotion possible. Well, what do you mean be a less violent, commit less violence? I'm not a violent person. Well, all living beings have a soul, including microscopic ones. So just by existing and breathing and walking and eating, you're killing living beings and committing violence. Well, I can't stop eating. Well, nobody's asking you to stop eating. Stopping eating is the very last, one of the very last steps, and it happens naturally. And at that point, you shed any karma bound by eating almost instantaneously. So I'm not asking you to stop eating or stopping breathing or stopping walking. We're asking you to commit less violence. You also mentioned to commit them with the least amount of emotions possible. Why is that? The emotions that caused you to do the violence determine how long the karma corrupts yourself. The less emotional you are, the less intensity of the binding, and it is easier to remove. Now, wait a minute. I thought emotions were good. I thought emotions is what separates us from the animals, and emotions are what makes humanity great. The answer is no. Emotions are the product of your body, not your soul. And you are not your emotions. Rather, your emotions enslave you. You're not your body and you are not a human being. You are a soul trapped in a human body. Well, 
Isn't the happiness you talked about inherent in my soul having an emotion? No, they're not the same thing. You can call it contentment if you like. Well, isn't contentment an emotion? No. Perhaps we don't have the words to describe it well. But the inherent nature of your soul is to be peaceful. And all of those words, bliss, happiness, contentment, peaceful, those are not the emotions we're talking about. Let's call let's call the emotions we're talking about bodily emotions so we don't keep getting confused about it. Okay. So all bodily emotions are bad. Yes. And there are four main ones that we want to fight. Anger, ego, deceit, and greed. And fighting those bodily emotions will help karma, help stop karma from attaching to my soul. Yes, they will help stop karma from attaching to yourself. <laughs> so those emotions are part of being human. I can't help but have them because I'm human. What happens if I can't conquer those emotions? Why does saving my soul mean fighting against human nature, the nature of the very body my soul is trapped in? Well, you're not human, so there's no need to idolize human nature and put it on a pedestal. It's human nature to jump on the hedonic treadmill. That doesn't mean it's a good thing to do. If you can't conquer bodily emotions, you will continue living in eternal pain, just as you're doing now. Nothing will change, and most people don't change. Thanks to everybody joining us. We're talking about a summary of Jainism in question and answer form. Any questions or comments about that? We just talked about emotions. Okay. So I need some help conquering anger, ego, deceit, and greed. What can I do? Well, you can make five vows, non-violence, non-lying, non-stealing, non-attachment, and celibacy. Those are the weapons you can use to fight anger, ego, deceit, and greed. And you can also practice forgiveness, humility, straightforwardness, and contentment. Okay, so I get most of those, but why non-attachment? Attachment to things makes you emotional for no reason. So it's like non-materialism. I understand non-materialism. Yes, it's mostly non-materialism. The other one I don't get is celibacy. Well, the answer to that question is, for lay people, it's mainly avoiding adultery. Okay, I understand that. I understand uh, avoiding materialism and adultery. But it still seems very hard. I know that I'm going to fail, so why should I even start trying to walk this path of Jainism? Well, the answer is, it's not all or nothing. So even if you do a little bit, 
Not only are you helping yourself and you're a soul, you're helping your current life and your current body. If you start to fight anger and you get rid of anger and that's as far as you go in this life, you've helped yourself this life. And so it's not an all or nothing proposition. Well, I have a hard time keeping all of those in my mind and what I should be thinking about as I live my life. Well, we have a bunch of songs and rituals to help you remember everything and to keep it in your mind throughout your entire life. And by performing those songs and rituals and reciting them and singing them, you are doing a physical manifestation of what you should be thinking about. And that helps you think about them. So it's easier to start with those and then end with the mindfulness and meditation aspect. We also have a bunch of holidays where we remember the goals we want to achieve and where we help everyone in the community achieve them. And so that's the way we support each other. And that's the way we try to get through this hard path together. Questions or comments about any of that? Anybody think of more logical questions to these answers? Okay, let's keep going. Going to be a short class today. So we owe it all to Mahavir. Yes, that's right. And that's why Mahavir is a god. No. Mahavir is not a god, even though we mistake it, some people mistakenly call him the Lord. Mahavir is a soul, just like you. We worship the effort he put into saving himself from eternal pain. And we strive to be as courageous as him. So you keep mentioning he and that he's a soul. So souls are gendered. No, souls are not gendered. We just do it for convenience because... That was his final body, was a he. There's no gender to a soul. You are not a man. You're a soul. What happened when Mahavir died? Mahavir didn't die. Mahavir is still alive. Okay, what happened when Mahavir's body died? His soul was not reborn into another body. Instead, it currently experiences its true nature and is free from the pain and corruption of karma. What will happen when I die? Your soul will be trapped into another body depending on the type of karma that is currently corrupting it. Another body meaning another human or what? Well, your next body could be human, it could be animal, it could be plant, it could be microscopic bacteria, it could be a heavenly being, it could be a hellish being. Anything that is alive has a soul, and you have the potential to be reborn as that thing after your current body dies. So my father, who died, could have been reborn in the body of my dog. Is that right? Well, it's highly unlikely, it's bordering on impossible, but technically that could be true. And that's why I should practice nonviolence. 
because all living things have a soul just like mine. Yes. Is that why we all will become one in the end? No. All souls are different, and there's no combination of souls. We will not all become one in the end. So the only one responsible for my soul is who? Well, the answer to that question is, you are your soul. And the only one that can be responsible for you is you. There is no you that is separate from your soul. Questions or comments about that? Now, I'd like you to notice two things about that kind of question and answer session. It may not have seemed like it, but that was a pretty good summary of Jainism. Um, let's look at the book. We talked about, let's just look at the table of contents. We talked about the fundamental tenets of Jainism we talked about Tirthankars, enlightened people. We talked about Moksha. We talked about Vrats, chapter 5. We talked about chapters 1 through 5. We did not talk about the five codes of conduct. We did talk about Ahimsa, chapter 7. We did talk about chapter 8, virtues, forgiveness, humility, straightforward contentment. We did not talk about bhavnas. That's going to help us later. We talked about devotion. We talked about self-study. We talked about meditation. We did not talk about the tripadi, origination, destruction, and permanency. We did not talk about the six substances. Well, we kind of talked about the six substances, which is jeev, ajeev, karma, band. Yeah, actually, I'm going to call that yes. We did talk about six substances. We did not talk about the Nautatva. We did talk about Ashrav, Ban, Samvar, Nirjara. That's chapter 16, 17, 18, 19. We talked about chapter 20, the theory of karma. Mm, did we talk about Punyan Pap? Not really. Okay, I'll give one that one a no. We talked about the six fundamental truths. We did not talk about the 14 Gunastanas, chapter 23. We did not touch upon Anikantvad, which is chapters 24 through 26. And we didn't talk about Jain history and Jain Agams, and all of those are Jain culture. So we got through most of the book. I'd say that's a pretty good summary of Jainism. We didn't mention, of course, any of those words. We just looked at the next question that comes logically to our mind, and we started with the whole point of Jainism, which is to save yourself from eternal pain. So the two things I'd like you to notice are, do you see how much of an impediment it is to learning about Jainism when we think of ourselves as bodies? That's why it will transform your life once you realize you are a soul. And also some of the second thing is some of you may be put off by reducing Jainism to a summary. Anything can be reduced to a summary that doesn't make it 
less beautiful or less worth knowing. All truths are simple to say, but hard to do. For some people, the hardest thing is knowing what is right. But for most people, the hardest thing is doing what is right. So questions or comments about anything we talked about? Maybe I have a question. How does one know that uh, they finally got rid of their uh, or achieved moksha or they don't know? No, you absolutely do know because the, one of the first steps is kevalnyan. And once you have kevalnyan, you're on the way to inevitably achieving moksha. So once you have kevalnyan, you know everything. And you definitely know what type of karma you still have to get rid of. And that helps you get rid of that karma. And once, uh, once you got rid of all that karma, you certainly know that you're in moksha. My, uh, I think this is a, like you said, it's a summary, but it's a deep summary, and there's a lot to think about here. Let's start. In, uh, if I if I can think about it, okay, believe that we are a soul, and and this body, uh, our soul is trapped in this body. Uh, I I think I am I'm down with that part. I don't have any uh, difficulties getting that concept. The the difficult part is. Uh, where we have to do minimize or we have to practice ahimsa. I mean, you know, sitting outside here observing in my backyard, I mean, there's so many jeeves around us. And, you know, in a way, uh, it makes me feel like, I mean, minimizing, just sitting outside looking at everything, starting from pest control to fertilizers and, uh, yard maintenance and stuff like that. I mean, just that simple thing. I mean, I'm not even going to the food yet. Like you said, food is is the last thing. Is when you naturally realize that okay, you need to do more than uh, your. You need to do more karma karma than than what you are. Just you know, you you kind of avoid and then you have to release what you have binded. In terms of avoiding, I think. Again, not going into the food, not eating part, not even going there. There is so much. I mean, you think about transportation, you think about house maintenance, logistics. Uh, I mean, you know, the flights we fly in. I mean, all that creates so much karmas and buns. And I, again, I, I feel like, I mean, that's why the diksha is one of the paths. That you are, and you know, now thinking about it, like, Again, I, I, I will always thought, why, why Diksha? And now, you know, that is one sort of a fast way of minimizing your new karmas uh, by not traveling. I mean, I always wondered, why not to travel? I mean, all the other sons can travel. Why not our sons can travel? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you can do it. It's not that you can do it, but it just slowed down the process if that's your goal, if that's your aim. And... To expedite the process your way, uh, even if you want to have, uh, you know, if you want to do it other way, like, you know, stop eating food and just kind of minimize it that way, you have another way. So in the summary that we have talked about, I think once the path or destination is, is, is sort of clear, 
then then you can choose your path. It can be one with the diksha, or it can be one with the you know minimizing what you can. So it, it's it's a it's a deep summary is the way I would call it. Well, you've touched upon many important points, and you've asked a question and you answered it yourself. So that's great. You already know the answer to your question, but I'll flesh it out a little bit for the people who may not have understood the what you're talking about. So you mentioned, well, I look around me, I have a house, so now I have to do pest control, I have to do fertilizer, I have to do yard work. And that's right. Your attachment, your material possession is causing you to do this violence. The answer is to get rid of your house. You're right. How how this transportation, I have to do my logistics, I have to do my flight. And that's how do I avoid the violence in doing that and living my life? You're right. Those are material things and ideas that you have an attachment to. And you be, and because you believe you're a soul, that's why you have seen it in those light. And that's why you know the answer is to take diksha. Then you don't have those attachments and those attachments are not forcing you to commit violence and corrupting yourself. You mentioned there are two paths. Actually, there's just the one path, just the diksha path. The people who take the other path, the path of lay people, they're just not ready for the diksha path and they are finding some blockage into determining, into realizing for themselves that that is the right path. In fact, that is the only path. And so those things you've identified our problems are certainly are certainly so. And that's what uh, Mihir mentioned uh, by doing that. Great insight. Other questions or comments? So I'd say we did pretty well. We hit most of the chapters in the book and the, the, the few that we didn't hit are really kind of hyper-technical and I probably could have got them in there, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the next logical question. It wouldn't be the next logical question to ask, well, there are, why, there are different types of karma. Okay, sure, there are eight types of karma. Um, but So that's really getting into the details. But I think we did pretty, we got a majority of the chapters of the book. All right, very short one today. If uh, no one has anything to talk about, then we can wrap it up. Thank you so much for your time this week. Thank you. Happy Diwali to everyone. Happy Diwali. Thank you and happy Diwali.